Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Hey, come on church, isn't that awesome? Our God is forever faithful. Uh, And we still live in a day and age of miracles. And how many of you know what God has done here, God can do for you as well. I really believe this is year of release. Uh, and it's, it was amazing how God just moved. You know, we, we had a facility given to us. Uh, and while I'm talking about that, can we give it up to Highland Colony? Who's watching across the world? Your building is paid for. Oh, that is amazing. Uh, but, you know, we had that facility given to us last um, uh, year. And around April, we took ownership of it and then remodeled it all throughout May. We opened up in June. And here we are one year later, not only with it remodeled, but with it paid for in full. Uh, And, uh, you know, I I just really believe that God is moving uh, in big, big ways. And, 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 you know, one of the things that I'm passionate about um, in our church uh, is to pattern the Christianity uh, that we teach uh, and to live it, uh, to not just preach it, uh, but to do it. And uh, one of the the things that I I would love for you guys to see is how we do not and will not ever make money an emphasis. Uh, We don't pass buckets. We don't pass plates. uh, We don't have tithes and offering segments uh, that are traditional. We put no demands on people, uh, and we will never practice manipulation in any shape, form, or fashion. Uh, Amen. (laughs) And... um, I apologize if your experience with uh, any type of Christian church um, has made you feel that way. Um, And in the middle of all of that, though, uh, one of the things that amazes a lot of our our pastor friends is the grace that is on this house that in spite of not doing all of those things, we see buildings given to us, and we see them paid off fast, and we see them remodeled without taking up an offering for the remodel. you know, all of those kinds of things. And, and people wonder, you know, how it happens. And it is because we put the pressure on the Lord. How many of you know the Lord wants the pressure? Uh, and you don't, ha- amen. Uh, and you don't have to protect the Lord's reputation. We cast all of our cares not upon a congregation and not upon a people, but we cast all of our cares upon the Lord. And the Lord's big enough to pull off some miracles, amen. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to practice that kind of faith in, in, in your world. Uh, your job is not your source. Just like the congregation here, it's not our source. Uh, the, the tithes and offerings segment, it's not our source. Uh, our plans and our missions, uh, they're not our source. God is our source. And I want you to really believe to see God move in that area of your life to release you. And somebody says, well, why does it matter? It's not just about stuff. Uh, and buildings and, and, you know, those types of things, having that loan paid for saves this ministry about $20,000 a month uh, that would go to a bank. And now instead of going to a, a bank, it can go to World Missions, it can go to more ministry. Come on, somebody. Uh, and it's the same reason uh, why God wants you free uh, is so that you can give to every good work uh, and so that God's grace can abound to you with liberality. Uh, towards the lives of so many other people. And God wants his children free.
Because when we're free, it helps set other people free. When we're free, uh, if our hearts are right and we're walking in divine character, it trickles down into our, our, our cities and into our families to begin to see them be set free as well. Uh, and so I want to encourage you, contend to be released uh, from financial debts this year. Believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And, and I've had this big on my heart for a while, uh, that even if you made the mistake in getting yourself in debt in the first place. How many of you know the prodigal son was terrible with the Lord's money? He was awful with it. Uh, he spent it, the Bible says, on riotous living. Uh, and uh, just made a mistake financially. And not only, well, I guess you could say he made a mistake, he made a decision. <laughs> he did it on purpose. He didn't just slip into sin, he walked into it. Uh, and uh, goofed up uh, his father's finances and took money that was entrusted to him and was bad with it and came home and the Lord forgave him uh, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and a coat on his back, and killed the fatted calf. Why? Because the Lord is good, and his mercy, it endures forever. Uh, and so it's no coincidence that Jesus would tell that story. In fact, most of the stories that Jesus taught on forgiveness were about financial debt. You go back and you look at it. So maybe you've even been a, a bad steward, and maybe have accumulated some debt that is no longer light and easy for you. Um, how many of you know you can come unto the Lord? I said you can come, on, come unto the Lord and he can take off that, that yoke that's on your neck and put on something on you that is light and easy. Uh, and I want to encourage you to contend for that, to believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen? Amen, amen. Now, can both of our campuses physically, can we give it up for everyone who is watching online all around the world? Uh, not only have we seen the Highland Colony campus be paid off, but all during COVID and even before COVID, uh, the Lord had been dealing with us to build our online campus, and it's gotten better, but it's nowhere near where it's going to be, and by the end of this year, it will be completely transformed, have an all-new website, all-new app, loads of new content. Uh, it is going to be awesome. Uh, and so for those of you who are engaging di digitally in this season, we just want to say for your campus, the best is yet to come as well. Let's open up our Bibles today to the book of Acts. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2. I have something that is so big in my heart. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2. And verse number 16, we've been talking about living by faith uh, and seeing miracles. And I know I've said it before already, uh, but how many of you believe at all of our campuses that God is still a God of miracles? He is, he is, he is. Uh, and uh, I just, I, I feel impressed to just emphasize that and, and to preach that. And we're in a season as a state and as a city and as a nation, as a world, where we need to use wisdom. And, and never allow anyone to make you feel like wisdom is fear. How many of you know, I'm not afraid of M&Ms. Anybody afraid of M&Ms? No, I'm not, I'm not afraid of sugar. In fact, I really like sugar. Uh, I've got a little sweet tooth. Anybody like pie? Do we have anybody at any campuses? Any, come on now, you're in church. Anybody like pie? Oh, come on now. Anybody like some cake? I know you do. We sell out of cake every, every Sunday. Uh, we like cut pie and cake and M&Ms, but uh, we shouldn't be afraid of sugar, but we should be wise with it. Amen. Amen. 
And sometimes, and not being wise with sugar, you push yourself in a, con- in a place and in a condition where not being wise with certain foods, uh, that now you got to use your faith to get out of the physical mess you were in from not being wise with those foods. Uh, and it never means that you should be afraid of the food. It just means you should be wise with it. Does that make sense? And we're in a day and an age with these things where I've seen even preachers try to make people feel shame for using wisdom, labeling wisdom fear. Uh, And it's a shame, and it ought not be. Because as Christians, how many of you know, we ought not tempt uh, tempt the Lord our God. And if there are wise things that we could do financially, that if we did those wise things financially that would save us from having to use our faith, how many of you know for the prodigal son, it would have been better if he never would have spent his money on riotous living? Uh, like it, it would have been great uh, if he never would have done that. But, you know, the Lord helped him and the Lord was gracious to him and brought him back. But it would have been great of him for him to have never put the Lord and his heavenly father in a situation uh, where he had to bail him out again. Uh, and out of this with our health, with our money, with our relationships, we ought to use wisdom in marriage so we don't have to use unnecessary faith to fix it. And we ought to use wisdom with our finances so that we don't have to use unnecessary faith to fix it. And we ought to be wise with our health so we don't have to use unnecessary faith to fix it. And can faith fix it? Yes, because God is all-powerful and and faith uh, is currency that heaven taps into to do things. But out of that, we ought to be wise as well. Amen? Uh, And so I want to encourage everyone to be full of wisdom, but I also want to encourage everyone to be full of faith. Uh, In the middle of this, we have uh, people who will give us wisdom, and it's my job to to help with those things from the light of God's word, but also as a a son of God and as a a priest that you trust, uh, uh, it's my job to to fill you up with faith. Uh, And one of the things that we see uh, in regards to this is that faith is something that is tangible. You know when you have it and you know when you don't. And this is important. Uh, Because the Bible teaches us in the book of James that a double-minded man uh, cannot think that they will receive anything from the Lord. Double-minded. Faith is fully persuaded. When you're in faith, there's a a joy even in the issue. Uh, The woman with the issue of blood still had her issue. Still in it. Still in the issue. Still broke. Uh, had spent all her money on physicians and was nothing better but rather grew worse. Still broke, still in her issue, but excited. Filled with a hope, filled with a faith because she had heard of Jesus. Uh, And out of this, her life received a miracle. And I know I've said this before, but it bears repeating as much as I can. But your faith, it cannot stand in the wisdom of men. You cannot be a Christian because I told you, just because I told you or someone else told you about Jesus, that your Christianity should be producing the power of God, that we ought not have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof because there is power in Jesus and there is power in the Lord God and and it's faith that taps into that power. I, I love the story with the woman with the issue of blood Uh, Because she did not have hands laid on her, she laid hands on. Uh, And she went out and took a miracle, took a healing. Uh, And faith put herself in a position to do it. We read her story and saw where Jesus turned to her and said, Who touched me? 
And the disciples are looking at Jesus, they're like, Master, what in the world are you talking about who touched you? You got a multitude of people thronging you. He said, I know. But there was a different touch, a touch of faith. And he looked down at the woman, and the Bible says the woman fearing and trembling in herself, knowing what was done in her body. She looked up and she told him all the truth. And he looked on her and said, Daughter, your faith hath made you whole. And we said something last week, that bear, I guess two weeks ago, that bears repeating, maybe three weeks ago, that faith is rare. You got a whole world thronging Jesus today. A whole world, all around the world. You got people watching Christian television. You got people reading Christian books. You got people at churches all over the world, literally all over the world. In fact, most of the biggest churches now are outside of America. You got churches in Korea of like 800,000 people, like massive, massive churches. There's never not been a throng around Jesus. But it's not the throng that gets the, the, the healing power. Uh, it's a touch of faith. Uh, and so it teaches us, that story teaches us, that faith is not as common as we think. It's precious. And anything that, that's precious is rare. But how many of you know, Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? That the eyes of the Lord are roaming over the earth, looking for whom I can show, God says, my power on behalf of. And what I want is to position you and me to be people of faith. Uh, to come into uh, this situation where we are more like the woman with the issue of blood than we are like the rest of the crowd that is just simply around Jesus, that we, we have a conviction in us and our, our hearts are filled with the knowledge of God, uh, which is a big part of it. I, I'm, I'm getting way outside of my notes, but it's a big part of it, what we're full of, what we're full of. She was filled with the knowledge of Jesus. She had heard of Jesus. And when you hear of Jesus, it changes your predicament. Uh, before it changes your predicament, uh, you begin uh, to, to have something click on the inside. Your insight produces foresight, and that foresight produces hindsight. Insight produces foresight, and that foresight produces hindsight. Uh, she got insight on Jesus. He was a healer and got full of that. It produced foresight. Before she was ever healed, she saw her healing. When I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Her imagination is seeing her healing before she's healed. Insight on Jesus produces foresight. Foresight produces hindsight. What do you have foresight for? I'll tell you what you have foresight for. Whatever you have insight on. You get inside, you watch a commercial, you get insight on an upcoming series. That insight turns into foresight. You can't wait to watch that series when it comes out on Disney Plus or it comes out on Hulu or Peacock or whatever your streaming platform is. I've enjoyed thoroughly uh, watching the Olympics. I mean thoroughly. I've enjoyed thoroughly watching the Olympics. You know what? I got joy even before they started thinking about watching it. I got insight, they're coming. I got insight, they're going to have them this year. I got insight on it. That insight produced foresight. I began to anticipate it. I began to picture myself watching it. 
I began to even uh, getting a, a, a person to, to watch it with who I knew would enjoy it as much as I did. Began to think about those things because insight produces foresight. You get insight, you're going to Disney World. You get foresight, you start dreaming of it before you go. You get insight, Christmas is coming. Kids get foresight because insight produces foresight. The problem with our world is right now, it's too much insight on the wrong things and those that insight is producing the wrong kind of foresight and that foresight is making things last in hindsight where we look back and say, what a mess that was. I wasted so much time on that because insight produces always foresight and everything in this world has two creations first an inward one then an outward one and when this woman heard of Jesus she got insight insight on what Jesus a miracle power and that insight began to produce foresight she began to see herself touching the hem of his garment. And then she said out of her mouth, when I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith hath made you whole. Now, what we're going to look at in the book of Acts has everything to do with this. Because I'm telling you, this is the formula for all miracles. It's not a mystery. It's really easy. This is the form. Every miracle you see in scripture played out this way. Uh, we see in the book of Acts an event unfold that was the second big ev biggest event in the history of the world. There were two primary events that Old Testament prophets, uh, prophets talked about a lot. And they said, these events are going to change your world. These events are not only going to change the world, these events are going to change your world. Uh, that these two events, when they happen, will change absolutely everything. The first event that prophecy talked about constantly was the resurrection of Jesus. Not his death and burial. A lot of people die. <laughs> A lot of people are buried. His resurrection was the thing that set him apart. Uh, and scripture and prophets foretold of this. Jesus, while he was on the earth with his disciples, talked about this event all the time. He's like, they'll cast me down, and on the third day, the temple will be rebuilt. He was talking about himself, constantly talking about this event, because the resurrection of Jesus changed everything. It literally changed everything, which is why if you're reading the Old Testament, you have to read the Old Testament in light of the New, because the New Testament, when Jesus rose again from the grave, it changed everything. It, 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 even our time, we have B.C. and A.D., uh, before Christ and after his death, because that resurrection changed everything. But there was another event that prophets talked about, and said, so just like that event, his resurrection changed everything. This event is going to change everything. Je Jesus pulls his disciples together in John chapter 16. He's like, look, I'm going to leave you fellows. And they're like, <laughs> where in the world do you think you're going? Don't do it, please. He's like, no, I'm going to leave you. And he's like, I need to because if I don't, another comforter will not come unto you. And he said, this comforter, he's going to change everything. You, you need to wait until you're endued with power from on high. Because this guy, the comforter, is going to change everything. 
Then in Acts chapter 1, you see Jesus pull his disciples together. And he's like, look, I know I've been raised again from the grave. You can reach forth your finger and touch the holes in my hand. I'm going to do a message series in a month or two called These Scars Still Speak. And I cannot wait uh, to talk about this because Jesus still has his wounds. Uh, and each one tells us something. He was wounded so we don't have to be in that spot. He still has them. Even his resurrected body still has those scars. Why? To speak to us. Uh, but anyway, uh, he comes and he says, I know I've been resurrected. But he said, don't you dare try to do anything until the Holy Spirit comes. He's like, I'm telling you, John baptized with water. But the Holy Spirit is going to baptize you with fire. And they waited. And you know the story if you're a Christian. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came on the earth, flooded flooded the earth. People are wondering what in the world is going on and Peter gets up to bring clarity and watch what he says in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 16. It says this, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it will come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will, notice this, he said, and this is that, this is that, so everything we're just reading is that, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters, notice this, your sons, your daughters. Well, you know what? Let's go back and read it again. Start in verse 17. You need to see something. And it will come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. Now, what does all flesh mean? All flesh. I got a friend of mine, he went and studied the, the, the Hebrew and the Greek word for all. He came back after an exhaustive study, exhaustive study, and came back and he said, all means all. He said, I, I found that, that all means all. So if all means all, does that mean you? Yes. No matter who you are. And in case anyone didn't understand all, he went on to, to talk. And your sons, my sons, your sons, your sons and your daughters, notice, they will prophesy. And your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they will prophesy. So here God intentionally uses Lots of words. All flesh. And in case anyone is not clear about that, your sons. Well, is it just a man thing? No. Your daughters. Well, is it just a, you know, a manservant thing? No. Manservant and handmaiden. All flesh. How many say you can say this with me? At all our campuses, you can say this with me. Say all means all. All of us. He said this, I pray you get this. He said, this event's going to change absolutely everything. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. That upon all flesh, I will pour out my spirit. Every one of you, sons, daughters, young, old. He said, well, just in case anybody misunderstood that, old men and young men. Old and young, male and female, all means all. He said, the reason why this is a game changer is when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to touch two things. And this is how you know if you got a touch from the Holy Spirit operating in your life. He said he's going to touch 
two things. Watch what those two things are. Let's read it again. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it will come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Let's stop right there. What is prophecy? It's inspired utterance about a future with God in it. It's talking about the future with God in it. Prophecy is inspired utterance. God speaking through man, speaking to situations through man, speaking to mountains through man. Prophecy is inspired utterance that sees a future with God in it, talks about a future with God in it, talks about a possibility with God in it, talks about a promised land, not with giants and walls, but with God in it. They will prophesy. So he says that's number one, the Holy Spirit. He says here's how you know if the Holy Spirit's touching you as you start talking about the future with God in it. He says he's going to touch your mouth. Isaiah, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple and the seraphims flying around that throne. Amazing. Six wings with two, they covered their eyes. Flew around that throne crying, holy, holy unto the Lord. Isaiah sees the Lord. First thing he's mindful of is not even the Lord's glory. You know what he's mindful of? His mouth. He's mindful of his mouth. And when he comes to, he's mindful of his mouth, he said, Lord, I have unclean lips. And he said, I dwell among a people with unclean lips. Because your mouth can get unclean. The children of Israel's mouths were unclean. They started talking fear and doubt and unbelief and negativity. They got so negative, they wanted to stone anybody who was positive. And it was a negative report, but you know what I find interesting? The Lord didn't call it negative, he called it evil. And Isaiah is mindful of his lips being unclean. And you know what the Lord didn't do? He didn't say, no, you're fine, you're fine, it's okay. He, he sent an angel, one of those seraphim, sent an angel with a hot coal and touched his lips. And he said, now your lips are clean. And then he said, who will go for me? And Isaiah said, Lord, here am I. And he came back talking fire, and we got the book of Isaiah. Because if the Lord wants to change your life, he's got to touch your mouth. James said, James said, the Bible says in the book of James, that your mouth is the rudder of your ship. It is the steering wheel, we would say, of your car. That if you want your life to go in a certain direction, you got to get your mouth going in that direction first. Then James says, but who can tame the tongue? Apparently, not a lot of people, because everybody likes to have an opinion about everything. There's no shortage of people who do not have a watch over their mouth. Who can tame the tongue? James said, this is scripture. No man can, but the Holy Spirit can, which is why the Holy Spirit, the first thing he touches when he comes upon you is what? Your mouth. He said, all men, all flesh, all men, all women. Somebody says, my, yes, your sons, mine, yes, your daughters, me, yes, manservants, me, yes, maidservants, all flesh. And he said, here's what the Holy Spirit's going to do when he comes. And this is why you better not try to do life without him. Because the first thing he is going to touch is your mouth. And he says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to start talking about a future with God in it. You're going to start talking about a promised land where, yes, there are giants and, yes, there are walled cities, but the Lord, he will make them bread for us. You're going to start talking about, I know there's a giant, but that giant doesn't have a covenant with the living God, and who does he think he is to mock God's people? 
And people say, well, that's just, that just, they heard David and said, that's crazy. You are crazy. They said, you are but a child, and he is a man of war since he was a child. You can't even wear Saul's armor, and he's bigger than Saul. It looked foolish because God takes the foolish things of the world and confounds the wise with them. Not by might, not by power, by the Spirit of the Lord. And where's the Spirit of the Lord? When he comes on you, first thing he touches is this. He gets this filled with God. He gets this filled with praise. He gets this filled with prayer. He takes this that was filled with news and negativity and all these doubts. He takes this and he fills it up with a living, breathing, almighty God. When God gets on you, he touches your mouth. And Jesus said, don't leave home without him. You tarry here until the Holy Spirit is poured out. And he hid everybody in that upper room. There was no distinguishment of person or gender. He hid everybody in that room. Everybody's looking, saying, what is that? Peter gets up and says, I'll tell you what that is. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. The Holy Spirit is here. And when he gets on you, he's going to touch your mouth. Second thing he said is this. He's not just going to touch your mouth. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. He said, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams, dreams and visions. He touches your imagination. The woman with the issue of blood, she still has her issue. The woman with the issue of blood, even in her issue, saw a miracle. She saw it turning around. I read a story the other week. It hurt my heart. In the Wall Street Journal, it's talking about this, this young guy who went to Columbia University. Uh, and accumulated over $300,000 worth of debt uh, and was working in California as a movie producer and, you know, in the movie industry making a little under $60,000 a year, which standard of living in California was barely enough to, to do things. Uh, and then on top of that, his student loans were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so the article was talking about, is college still worth it? <laughs> and those types of things when it comes to college loans. And, and so they're examining this at one of the highest universities, you know, Columbia University, and they were doing this study and this research, and they interviewed him. And he starts talking about his future. And this is what he said in the, in the article. He starts talking about his future, and he says, I just don't see how any of this could ever turn around. I just don't see how I ever get out of debt. I just don't see it. And I just, my heart went out to him, because uh, it should how many of you know our hearts should go out to people? And so I just started praying for him. And I, as I was praying for him, who you pray for, you get a heart for, which is why the Lord tells you to pray for your enemies. Because uh, if you're irritated with someone, I just know you're not praying for them. Because <laughs> you pray for them, uh, you'll get a heart for them. Uh, and so who you pray for, you get a heart for. Who you pray with, you get a heart for. Who you pray to. You get a heart for him. Um, and uh, I just got a heart for him. But one of the things that came up in my heart uh, was his imagination. And I found myself praying this, Lord, help him see that he could write one movie script that could change his life forever. Why can't he see that? He's got a Columbia education, $300,000 worth of education, locked up in his brain. <laughs> Why couldn't he write a, a show that got taken up by Netflix or Hulu 
or Disney Plus? Why couldn't he get signed on to write the next Mandalorian or whatever it may be? Why couldn't he do that? But, but here's, why couldn't he see it? Why did he see a future where he was never able to pay off his debts instead of seeing a future where he could write one, one thing that could make him a millionaire? He's got the education. See, the rough is only mental. I'm telling you where people lose it is here. And God says, here's what I'm going to do when I'm going to touch you. I'm going to touch your mind, your visions, and your dreams. He said when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. He said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will show you things to come. When the Holy Spirit came upon Abraham, he said, lift up your eyes from the place where you are. My mentor the other day, he sent me a text thread. Uh, well, one of my mentors, he sent me a text thread. And he said, Joel, when the children of Israel were in the promised land and Joshua was standing before Jericho, he said the first commandment God gave him was see. <laughs> see. See, God said, I have given you. I've given you Jericho and the inhabitants thereof. See it. It's a walled city. There was an entire generation of Israelites who saw that same walled city, and the Bible said their heart melted. And in their own imagination, they were grasshoppers in their own sight. They didn't think they could. In their future, they saw defeat. They saw more bondage. They saw more poverty. And they wanted to go back to their past. Joshua, who had a different spirit, is standing before those same walls, and God says, see it. See it is yours. See it. The first commandment was see it. The second commandment was say it. Everyone say, see it. Say it. See it. Say it. Second commandment God gave him was you march around that wall. You don't charge at it. You don't, don't, don't go out there like a fool and charge at it and just believe, I'll just back you up. No, get a plan. And you march around that wall. And he said, at the end of marching around that wall, I want you to lift up your voice and I want you to shout. And God's going to get in that shout. And God's going to get in that praise. And God's going to get in that worship. And when you shout and when you lift up your voice, those walls are going to come tumbling down. And I'm telling you, we got a whole lot of people with a shout without a sea. And we got some people with a sea without a shout. He didn't tell them to shout first. He told them to see first. See it is yours. Why? A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Not let him think he shall receive anything from the Lord. For 16 years, Abraham couldn't see a, ch a child. He prayed about it, still couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. Oh, get this. He prayed about it for six. God gave him a promise. 16 years went unfulfilled, and he's wondering, where is it? He couldn't see it. God had to deal with his sea before he dealt with his say. So he set before him the stars and the sand, and he said, what do you see, Abraham? And he said, I see the stars. I see the sand. God said, can you count them? He said, no. He said, so shall your seed be. See it. Then after he got him to see it, he told him to say it. He said, no longer call yourself Abram. Call yourself Abraham, for a father of many nations. You shall be, for I am a God, Romans says, who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. I'm telling you, the rough is mental. The rough is mental. It's rough out here because it's rough in here. Yeah. 
And God will set something in front of you that so many people else look at and say, it couldn't happen for me. I'm just a grasshopper. But if you can get a different spirit, then you can see it. I'll close with this. Uh, my niece came to stay with us uh, for a couple of weeks. And man, we just had a good time. But out of that, everybody's got to sleep, you know, in different kind of spaces. And, you know, who got the shortest end of the stick was my, my youngest, because he's the shortest, uh, and can fit in spaces that others of us can't. Uh, so we set up a pallet for him in the closet. It sounds bad, uh, but it was fun for an eight-year-old. Uh, so, you know, we, we set it up uh, and had fun with it. But every night, uh, we'll, we'll pray for him. And a number of years ago, the Lord dealt with my heart. And he said, you're praying too fast. He said, when you pray, let your prayers be filled up with the Holy Spirit. Slow down and see it when you're saying it. Don't just pray it. See it when you say it. Uh, and he, he dealt with me out of Matthew chapter 6. Uh, where, you know, he said, don't think you'll be heard in prayer because you're talking a lot. Many throng, few touch. Many throng. A lot of people pray it. All over the world, a lot of people pray it. God said, don't think you'll be heard for your much speaking. You got to see it. Uh, and so out of that, the Lord said, you're praying too fast. So I began to make that adjustment. I got prayer journals that are talking about moments in the future that haven't happened. I got a prayer journal with the payoff of Highland Colony in it, sitting in there writing in that sanctuary, you are paid in full in Jesus' name. I see you paid for, still you're paid for, writing it, writing it, writing it, writing it. Now I open up the, the, the prayer journal, my insight is now hindsight. Insight produces foresight Foresight produces hindsight. Uh, and so the Lord dealt with me. He said, you're praying too fast. You don't see it. Slow down. Let the Holy Spirit fill your mouth and let your Holy Spirit fill your ears. And so I sat down with my, my son. I actually laid down by him on the pallet. Uh, and I said, I'm going to pray for you. And so he knows the routine. And I started praying. And the Lord said, you're praying too fast. He said, don't you remember what I told you? He said, do you believe this is powerful? I said, yes, Lord. He said, do you believe this moment is powerful? I said, yes, Lord. He said, act like it. And here's what I've seen. When my children or my wife is struggling, it's because they're going without my blessing. It's been a minute since I've spoken something into them. Told them who they are in God and who they are to me. So he said, do you believe this moment is powerful? I said, yes, Lord. He said, act like it. See it when you say it. And so I knelt and got, got down by him and began to see it as I said it. Father, I thank you. Benjamin Nathan Sims is anointed with your Holy Spirit. See it, see it, see it. His heart is sensitive to your voice. I thank you that Benjamin's heart is sensitive to you, that even as a young boy like Samuel laying in bed, that your Holy Spirit calls his name. Father, I thank you that he's, under, he's able to understand it and recognize it. Father, I thank you he serves you all the days of his life and is strong and mighty. I thank you, Father, you make him a titan and a king. 
Let him be a man who grows up to serve you. See it, see it all the days of his life and not bow his knee like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but stand when everyone else bows. See it, see it, see it when you say it. Now, can you imagine just having something like that spoken over you every night? That that would be a little bit of a game changer uh, in life. So many of us are going without a blessing. You need it. We need to walk more slowly. The other day, I, was, I took my daughter shopping for going back to school, uh, and I wanted to do it. I took her shopping. And I was in there, and I was noticing this little girl working behind the, the counter. And I just saw she's never had a father's blessing. I wonder how many wives are going without a husband's blessing. How many sons, how many daughters. It's powerful. We must do better. And it's not too late to make up for bad time. How many of you know God can redeem the time? I said, how many of you know God can redeem the time? Amen. And I want to encourage you in your life to see it. Rid yourself of all the stuff that is feeding your fear and strife. Rid yourself of all the stuff that is making you more like the millions of children of, of Israel who failed to walk in God's best. And be like Joshua and Caleb who stand by the temple of God and get as close as you can. Get filled up with the Spirit of God so much until He touches your imagination and He touches your mouth. And I'm telling you, when you can be in that spot, that is a game changer for your life. It's a game changer for your family. It's a game changer for our nations. It's a game changer for the world. Because God is a God of miracles. And I'm telling you, he wants to work one in your family in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen this morning. Amen, 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 and amen. Let me pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to turn the online service over to myself, actually. I'm going to do it today uh, for everyone watching online. Uh, for Highland Colony, we have so enjoyed having you here with us. I'm going to turn over to Pastor Doug, uh, who's going to close out service with an altar call, so you can keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. But here at Lakeland and online, maybe you're here. And today, you just want to surrender to the Lord Jesus or to the Holy Spirit of God. And you need a touch from heaven. And you need a breath of fresh air. You know what? Today, let's do something different. Uh, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Let me just pray over you. Oh, everyone say this with me, and then I'll pray over you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Say this with me if you want to. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior. My past, it's over. Though my sins 
were red like scarlet. Your blood, Jesus, has washed me, made me whiter than snow. I thank you, Father. Today, it's turning around. Today, it is changing. Today, my life belongs to you. Today, Lord, I receive you as mine. In Jesus' name. Now, with heads still bowed, eyes still closed, I just want to bless you in Jesus' name. Father, you said in your word that you would pour out your spirit upon all flesh. That, Father, our sons and our daughters would have a touch of your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, all over the world and all in this room here at Lakeland, whether people are watching in a hospital room or people are watching in a living room, our people are watching in another nation. Our people are sitting here in Lakeland. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name. They receive a breath of fresh air. Your Holy Spirit quickens their thoughts, quickens their minds, gives them visions and dreams. And Father, fills up their prayers, fills up their praises, fills them up, Lord. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that they will no longer be the tail, they will be the head. That, Father, they will no longer be underneath, but they will rise to the top. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. We see no weapon that is formed against them will prosper. And, Father, I thank you right now. You are lifting up a hedge of protection around their families, around their children, around their marriages, around their hopes, and around their dreams. Father, for our young daughters in this place, we say you are blessed, you are loved. You have intimacy with the Father. For our young men in this place, we say you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you will overcome the wicked one. Father, for our men, we say you are men of integrity. For our women, we say you are women of valor. And Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. You pour out your spirit on all flesh in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If you believe it today, let's celebrate a